Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Well, hello and welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Hope everybody is doing well. If you are a new listener, my name is Rebecca and I am the creator and host of this podcast. And I hope everybody is getting a lot out of the podcast. That is my goal. It's to be here to help and support. I always say it's not to condone infidelity, but what I do is keep things open as far as being open-minded, being able to share other people's stories. Because as a woman myself, who was unfaithful years ago with my now ex-husband, or to my now ex-husband, I remember feeling extremely, well, lonely. Because anything in life that we go through, we always talk to our friends or our family to have somebody kind of listen to us or support us in a way. But when it comes to cheating, you're not talking to anybody. You know, you've gotten yourself in this situation. It feels good. You don't want to hurt anybody. But you've crossed that line. And you know, there's no going back. So here you are in a situation that you know, you probably shouldn't be in. You know, you should walk away, but you can't. You know, you should be honest with your spouse or partner but you're scared. And uh, it's just really, really hard to process this. You may have gotten yourself into a really, really tough situation. And just know, I know. And people who have submitted their stories to share, they know and they understand. I want you to know you are not alone in this journey. I know it's scary. And there's nothing that I can do to fix it. Um, You know, in life, we're always free to make Uh, choices, but we're never necessarily um, free from the consequences. And so we all know that infidelity has its consequences. So um, I just wanted you to know I am here. And if you are still new, and you have a question, or a comment, um, you're interested in submitting your story, send me an email. My email is Rebecca rawtruth at gmail.com. I reply to everybody. So if you don't get a reply from me within a couple of days, send it again, because it may have hit my spam folder and I didn't see it, or it may have just not gone through again, but it's rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. What happens when a woman cheats on her spouse or partner? As with any form of infidelity, there is always pain, sadness, and collateral damage. 
We've listened to many stories of women sharing their own infidelities. But what does the husband or betrayed partner go through? My wife and I were together for 19 and a half years. We married on November 24, 2001. Six months later, during the same two-week period that we were creating our youngest son, she had an affair with one guy three different times. She said it was because I wasn't telling her she was beautiful often enough, and it was someone that she had known before we had even been dating and was attracted to him, but she had never had the chance to sleep with him. She didn't tell me about this for a year and a half, and she also told me that she had been with 21 men prior to us meeting. To hear the full story and more stories about the betrayed partner's side of the affair, or being the other woman or other man, subscribe to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelities Patreon. With a $3 a month pledge, you will have access to these bonus episodes, plus have early access to regularly released episodes. Visit rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com and click on the Patreon link to subscribe today. So last episode that streamed originally on February 28th was about Nadine, uh, part one, and she was in a marriage that she felt was not real even as far as responsibilities in the house, uh, jobs, things like that, and kind of a feeling of disconnect as far as her husband was. He would go out of his way to help strangers, but struggled to be present and involved with his own direct family. If this is your very first episode that you are listening to, please stop and go back to February 28th and listen to Nadine part one, because you need to hear the beginning part of the story before you listen to the second half. So I will start with the last paragraph from part one, and we will continue and conclude Nadine's story. I used this wrong to try and work on my marriage even more. It was particular torture to try and have a healthier marriage while simultaneously doing something that undermined it. It was a terrible secret I was keeping. It made me feel awful about myself, even while I was getting validation from D about how wonderful I am. The dopamine was too strong. I never in my life thought I would cheat. I never knew how being duplicitous would ruin me the core and essence of the person I thought I was. And while I knew what I was doing was so very wrong, I couldn't predict how much pain I could cause. I couldn't shut off the tap and cut it off with D, but I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. So I led my husband through a series of hints and breadcrumbs to put two and two together. Two days after D told me he loved me for the first time, my husband figured out what I was hinting at. Everything that they say about the discovery of an affair and the explosion of pain, fear, humiliation, desperation, it's all true, worse than anyone could imagine. D told me he truly loved me and hoped we could be together. By this time, he and his wife were beginning the divorce process. My husband called him, through phone records, and told him to stay away. He did. 
We started couples therapy. I promised him I was his. I made everything available to him. I was an open book, full transparency, and to my husband's detriment, I answered every last question he had. I was determined to make this right. Besides not wanting to hurt my husband any further, I felt that I had to right this devastating wrong, while my husband was ready to scream about my infidelity from the rooftops. I can't blame him, but I can blame him. Infidelity is one of those dividing lines in the sand. For most people, women in particular, it's unconscionable. It's selfish, whore, homewrecker, liar, and cheat. All the degenerate descriptors. I could barely bear what I had done to him, but I absolutely couldn't bear it if he ruined me for my kids. I am, after all, an extremely good mother. It's one thing if parents decide to divorce, but there's something about being the cheater that makes it seemingly okay for a spouse to disparage the other parent. It isn't okay. That sword of Damocles is still over my head. I know I hung it there, and I take full responsibility for my decision. But I have to think I am more than the bad choices I made during that three-month period. And my children deserve to think their parents are the best regardless of our marital status. Children should be shielded as much as possible from the poor choices adults make. Some people may say I deserved what I got for what I did, but what did my children do to deserve their mother being disparaged? As it was, my husband told my mother and some friends, and I don't hold it against him anyway. I was so depressed about it all, and if my children had been dragged into it, I would have killed myself. It would have been a pain I could no longer carry. Luckily, my husband did not tell them, and we have tried so hard to patch things up through honesty, openness, better communication, and a lot of giving on my part, including giving him lots of opportunities to golf still. There are several ironies in this whole awful mess. One is that my husband's selfishness did lead to my selfishness. Don't get me wrong, I don't blame him at all for my decisions, but there are two people that lead to where we are in this relationship. I think back to trying to engage him in conversation about his fantasies. He never had any and never asked me mine, to be playful in the bedroom, and it still hurts. Golfing will never rise to the level of deception that infidelity does. I posit that his affair with golf started long before my affair with D and has cost lots more. And he's still having his affair while mine has ended completely with sneaking in purchases of nearly $1,000 and lying to me when asked if there was a new club in storage. So I've had to try and give pretty much all of my freedoms up to compensate for the hurt and betrayal while he gets more freedom to cope with the hurt and betrayal. The other irony is I gave and gave and gave for my family, which led me to seek a thrill for myself, which nearly ended my family. There's another irony. The man that I had an affair with is really probably the man I should have married if I go back and listen to my parents. He's educated and well-read. We love the same sports and activities. We have the same appetite for sex. We have the same need for independence. We come from the same religious background. 
I have never felt so complete and whole. He and I were stimulated by each other physically, sexually, intellectually, socially, or is that just a fair fog? Is that just the dopamine talking? No, screaming loudly after two decades of monogamy? I can't trust my own feelings and thoughts, so I stay. I stay to right the wrong. I stay for my family and finances. I stay for my own self-esteem. I stay because to do otherwise feels too selfish. I stay and I take antidepressants and shove down any thoughts of contacting D or envisioning how he tilted his head toward me or how he smiled or how he noticed all the little details about me, ones my husband never has, or how he made my body feel. I shamefully admit that on occasion I still live an alternative life in my head where he and I are together. Then I wonder if I stay out of fear. As for D, he's divorced now, almost two years later, and I still know that he and I could really have been something. He still feels the same way, which I know because we have talked on a few occasions over the last years since the discovery. We never see each other though, and we both take extra precautions to not awaken the sleeping chemistry that lingers between us. I don't ever admit to my husband that we've been in touch a few times. I don't want to be that asshole, so I'm still lying a little. I lie that I never think about him in a positive way, but I tell myself I'm sparing him more pain. Another irony, sex. Sex got me here to the shitstorm. The lack of sex, the lack of sexual stimulation, led me to seek sex outside my marriage. I had the very best sex life during my affair. Affair sex is the best sex imaginable. It's the most fracturing and devastating, but at the moment it's the best. Something about the newness, the flood of chemicals to the brain, and the forbidden that creates the highest possible cauldron of magical stimulation, and it's out of this world. Sorry to those who are hurt by affairs, but understanding this may help you understand why your partner didn't just stop when they knew better. But in the toxic and painful aftermath of infidelity, I have lost sex. I no longer feel sexy, turned on, or sexual in any nature. Sometimes I feel horny, that's just biological. I could live my whole life and never have sex again with my husband. I have no drive to initiate sex, and when he does, I feel so fucked. I have lost my integrity in lying and deceiving my dear husband, but I have lost my favorite parts of myself too, my sensuality and sexuality. I am still mourning the losses. I love my husband, even I'm not quite in love with him, and I love our family. I love the idea of growing old together and sharing life's up and downs. And sometimes I wish he'd drop dead, painlessly and suddenly, so that I can have a fresh start. I know that's not a plan, but at this point my biggest fear is that my husband will die and I'm too old to do anything different, but too young to live out the rest of my life alone. I fear he will leave me to fend for myself in old age. Once again, I am taking care of everyone else without reciprocation. If I were to have an amazing new life with D, these thoughts still linger in my head. Everything new becomes old. Divorce doesn't end a relationship. It just adds pain with children in the middle. 
My only true obligations in this world are to my children, even if that means sacrificing parts of me. I'm not willing to trade tucking them in every night and kissing them every morning for sleeping in Dee's arms and kissing him. What it comes down to is this. I love my children more than I dislike my husband. I didn't mean for this to be so long, but I have two more things to say. I have read and listened to almost all the stuff out there on relationships and affairs. That's how I found your podcast. I've read The State of Affairs, Surviving Infidelity, and Divorce Busting. I've listened to Esther Perel, Dan Savage, John Gottman, and countless others. As Esther Perel describes, there are three types, couples, that stay together post-affair. She says they are the sufferers, the builders, and the explorers. My husband and I have been the sufferers for too long. Sometimes we lean toward the builders, but I was hoping we'd be explorers. We are not. We've decided our family is whole and good, and even though we aren't, it's better this way. I think he truly loves me, and I truly love him. He's tried in some ways to show up for me more. He compliments me more. He tries to add some family vacation time to his golf schedule, and he is a bit more involved with the kids. I've slipped up in my road back to monogamy. I tried to get out of my head by allowing a flirtatious colleague to say things he probably shouldn't have. I'm not proud of it, but I have never even thought for a second of crossing the line again. As Dan Savage says, quote, I have been monogamish for almost 20 years. I've been really good at monogamy for 19 years, but three months, man, those three months now define my life. There's no other job on this world where you can't fuck up ever at all. Hell, doctors kill people, but still doctors. I dived deep into learning about marriages and communication. I take responsibility for how I showed up before too. Maybe my expectations were too high, or I was too exacting, or I did things myself so they'd get done right, and then blame others for not helping me. Maybe I shouldn't have corrected his stories in front of his friends. I can own that. But my husband prides himself on trying to figure out puzzles. That is what he says draws him to golf. I am the one puzzle he still seems to not try to solve. No matter how much therapy we go to, do people really change? Will his penchant for laziness and complacency change? No, I have to accept it. One paradox I can't quite reconcile is this. An affair is an escape from many things. In my case, it was a humdrum life of repetition and duties and disappointment. It was an anecdote to death as I reached middle age and watched my father die. It was a last attempt at feeling youthful and alive. The unending pain it caused was, well, is crippling. But here's the paradox. There's no way for it to let up. I'm forever the betrayer. Where do I turn for relief from my own pain and sadness? My husband would understandably track me on my phone, check my texts, etc. I had no escape mentally from it other than to relive it in my mind. So, the thing that caused us so much pain and suffering was also my go-to place to escape the pain and suffering the affair had caused. Ironic? No? My husband gets to golf and leaves me home, but in doing so becomes paranoid and starts to bring up all the pain again and again. 
I think psychologically, if he keeps telling me how much I hurt him, I won't hurt him again. It's hard to understand that repeating it over and over and throwing me under the bus for it over and over actually makes me want to go there. Though I don't. I would love to turn back the time and have never done what I did. I'd never know the aliveness and pleasure I experienced or the deep fracturing pain I've inflicted. I'd never know that there was someone out there who could give me countless, seriously, like 11 orgasms in one afternoon. And I'd never have knowingly walked away from that. I'd never have hurt another family. I'd never have nearly ruined mine. I wish I could take it all back. Now that was pretty strong, wasn't it? How many of you can relate to so many things that Nadine expressed? I know I can. And certain things she touched on, like disparaging to the children, how that scared her. If you've listened to my story, you will know my ex-husband did that to me for years. And it caused so much confusion for my children. And he went to my family, he went to my friends, and started telling them all these things that I had done. And for me personally, I don't think that was his place to do. But in his own pain, that was his way of finding support, and his way of getting even. Another thing that she touched on was the constant reminder. Yes, I understand that the person who is betrayed, they're going to start reliving the pain. And it does come in waves. It comes and goes. At times, you don't even expect it. And those of us who have been unfaithful are on the other end of that wave. It crashes into us with their pain. They want to talk about it. They want to relive it because they're hurting and they want us to know they're hurting. But... We can't change what we did. If a spouse or partner in any situation, and this is my opinion, if we've done something, whether it was infidelity or somebody got in a car accident, you know, all these things, and you have worked through it and you have stated that you forgive them, then you've forgiven them and you can't keep bringing it up because it's not going to help anybody. And if you're struggling to still deal with the reality of what your spouse did, then you need to go seek some professional help. See a therapist on how you can process this. Again, you may need to bring your spouse into it, but constantly reminding and hounding them isn't going to change it. It's only going to make people more upset and push people away. Um you know, I could relate personally to nearly everything she said, except for the 11 orgasms in one afternoon. That was something that's never happened, nor probably will ever happen in my life. I mean, I'm going to be honest here. But um, I, I get it. As far as my feedback for Nadine, I understand you want to keep your family together. And perhaps when your children grow up, you're going to have the opportunity because we only have one life to live. And you made a commitment. But you know what, sometimes things in marriages just aren't what they were meant to be. Meaning we go in with the best intentions. And sometimes we grow, and we change as people. And we grow from this person that we knew and were connected to once we we um, professionally, 
you know, we will change in our growth. Sexually, we become more confident ourselves. And maybe the partner isn't the same. There's so many different dynamics and variables. So it's not uncommon for people to grow together and grow apart. And it's not that, like I said, you would go into this relationship or marriage with that thought in place. You didn't go looking for the affair. You didn't say, okay, you know what? You suck. I'm going to go do this. No, you were feeling that loneliness, that emptiness. You weren't receiving the reciprocation and you were trying and you were trying. And somebody happened to say the right thing at the right time when you were most, most, if I can talk, vulnerable. And I understand that. Was the affair okay? Well, no, of course not. We're married to somebody else. We don't do that. But it happens. What I'm saying to you is that I hope as your children grow, you think about that. You may be middle-aged. I'm 48. I can't imagine that you're you're probably younger than me slightly. Um, maybe we're around the same age. But as those children grow, I would seriously think about finding yourself, getting out there, maybe having a separation, trying to find yourself and what makes you happy because you're only here once and you need to make the best of it. I don't feel it's fair that he gets to do all this extra stuff as a way of, um, or it's kind of like you're paying your restitution to him for what you did. You know, it's still a marriage. It's still a relationship. It's still 50-50. You need to make sure you're taking care of yourself because going down the road of depression isn't going to change what happened. You need to start taking care of yourself and do something for yourself. If your husband's freaked out about where you are, show him your phone. Leave him your phone at home so he can see you're not out doing whatever. I don't know. But please consider this. Still take care of yourself. You're working hard. You're you're trying to overcome what happened. And I know deep down you probably do love D. And you're stuck in the situation of what could have been. So as I close this, I just want you to know that I understand exactly how you're feeling. I was in your shoes. There's a lot of women that were in your shoes. There may have been men. You're a good person. Don't ever doubt that. Keep strong and keep in touch and let me know how you're doing. Thank you so much for sending in your story and sharing it. Thank you all for listening today to the rest of Nadine's story. If you have a story you would like to share, or if you have any questions or comments, again, my email is rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com. Also, please visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com. You can contact me from there, listen to episodes. You can help me out by keeping me in the top 50, even though for the month of March, not March, February, um, I am, no, yes, for March, I don't even know what planet I'm on. I did not even make it to the top 50. I was number 21 in February and not even on the charts for March. But you can vote for me to get back on the Hot 50 Countdown with Podcast Magazine. You can check out my merchandise store. And I've noticed lately a lot of people are ordering mugs. 
Um, and I appreciate that support. I know shipping is just unreasonable, but I don't control that. Um, the merchandise and all of that, it's kind of like a drop ship type of a thing. So I've set up the, the little store. It's through Etsy, but you can get to it from my website. And it's my markup is so tiny. I just wanted to make sure that people had an opportunity to spread the word of no judgment because you can use that in so many different contexts. Um, but the shipping can sometimes bite. That's kind of hard. Um, from there, you can also download the story guides. So those of you who are saying, you know, I really want to submit my story, but I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to write this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'll never figure it out. She's not going to read it. You know what? Every single story that's come through, I have read and I have on the list to read. I've even had a couple that have come in that people have contacted me later and withdrawn, which is okay. Um, but these story guides are more of an outline for you to follow so that the story flows well. So really, it asks you questions to consider, and that way you can start writing about it. Take your time, um, send it to me on my email. You know, you can set it as a document through the email, blah, 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 it doesn't matter. Um, but you can do do that and... and uh, yeah, check out my blog that I haven't even done for a long time because I've had too many other things going on with my husband's death. So I've been a little, I wouldn't say distracted, but prioritizing, I have to make sure that I'm taking care of uh, the closure with what happened to my husband. And it's still actually under investigation at the hospital where he passed away. So it, my nightmare hasn't ended, but I'm trying to be positive every day, uh, meeting new people, just trying to keep myself busy so that I don't have to think about it, which is probably not the healthiest way to go. And a lot of people are reminding me of that. And I appreciate that. And I'm reminding myself. But again, thank you guys all so much. I really appreciate it. If you happen to be an Apple uh, subscriber, check out the way you can rate and review me that will help me move up and be more present. The more uh, ratings and reviews, the more chances other people can come across the podcast, and we can all help them as well. So until next time, um, well, next week, we'll have a new ponder coming out. It is a really, really amazing, sad story on ponder. Um, it's actually regarding a love triangle situation, um, which results in a murder-suicide situation. So it, it has to do with infidelity and how things can go down the wrong road. Uh, so you'll have to make sure to listen to that. And yeah, again, thank you so much for everything, you guys. Stay happy, stay healthy. And always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.